Every day, a small group of people are making quantum leaps forward, building wealth faster than most dream possible, almost like they have the Midas touch. On Breakaway Wealth, we'll unlock the secrets to breaking out of the herd, thinking big and building wealth on our own terms. And now let's join our host, the creator of Create Tailwind, and your abundance advocate, Jim Oliver. Welcome back, Breakaway Wealth. I'm your host, Jim Oliver, and with me today, my co-host, Nick Costco. Welcome, Nick. Hey, it's a pleasure to be back and uh, talk about educating our clients uh, and prospects uh, in an abundant way. Uh, we get... Uh, we get confronted with a lot of things all the time, questions. Uh, and, and Jim, you know, I always joke with people like, hey, we welcome you to disprove this, right? Absolutely. So what we're going to talk about here today is, uh, you know, in the financial world, there's a lot of noise. Uh, in, the, in the infinite banking world, there's a lot of noise too. Uh, YouTube and all kinds of uh, access to the internet has given everybody with some IT skills a, a platform to pontificate. And um, shockingly, uh, or not so shockingly, there's a lot of uh, ignorant, I say ignorant and just uneducated, or maybe statements made with an agenda. And uh, I always just ask people, hey, where'd you get that from? And uh, what was their motive for saying that? And uh, we got confronted uh, earlier today with some questions that someone had found on the internet. It's posted anonymously. Uh, I suspect it's someone that wants control of your money. Uh, who, who definitely uh, posted a, a lengthy blog um, about what they think infinite banking is. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to go through a few of the bullet points that we were confronted with today uh, and just educate you, uh, whether, you're, you've been, whether you're new to this or you've been around this for a long time, uh, I, I believe you'll learn something. So uh, without further ado, Jim, let's, uh, let's get into it. All right. Sounds good, Nick. Um... You know, it's, some of these I have to smile <laughs> and, and, and I would laugh if they weren't so silly. But, um, uh, you know, he the, they start off by saying the, the insurance banking concept. Um, and, and we <laughs> always tell our clients, Nick, that it's the process, not the policy. Nelson pounded that into our heads, right? Yeah. Because it's the truth is. But but so the fact that they can't even call it really what it is. It said it is not good for anybody to use. Okay, well, that's not true because I can tell you that it's changed my life, but but don't take my word for it. You can take a lot of clients' words for it. Um, so well, it, hey, before but, you go, hey, yeah. if you're new to this, let's just remember the problem we're solving. We're solving one simple problem. That's that we finance everything we buy. We pay interest to other people or we lose the ability to earn interest when we pay cash. There's no in-between, right? Yep. And Nelson said, this is about a process, not a product. You can yeah. do infinite banking with your checking account, your shoebox money if you want. It's just that through his decades of financial experience, he determined that the most ideal platform for this was this very specifically designed life insurance contract. And then right. ask yourself, whatever you see in anything, not just what we're saying, just ask yourself one question compared to what? All right. So when you see the naysayers, uh, someone else with an agenda, just ask that. So, all right. I think we, yeah. we've and set you the gotta, table. Like you said, you have to figure out wh why are they saying what they're saying? Where are they coming from? What are they trying to get you to do? So 
Um, we're trying to get people to think abundantly and grow their wealth. And if you don't want to do that, then you probably should invest in mutual funds and, and uh, those kinds of things uh, that are Wall Street based and put all your money in your 401k. If you don't want abundance, <laughs> all right? Now, if you want if scarcity and, and fear while you're in your older ages of, quote, retirement, which is another word that we don't like and we don't use. Okay. So diving in, Nick, with that. That's what I was going to say. Let's let's get at it. All right. Life insurance loan interest is no longer income tax deductible. The tax law changed and took that big benefit away. Years ago, all policy loan interest was income tax deductible. Okay. I'm just, by the way, I'm just reading the comment the way that it is. That comment is uh, really misguided. And the only people that believe that you can't deduct the interest uh, that you pay the insurance company to use their money are people that don't understand how it works. Some of them are life insurance agents. Um, but you, when you take a loan, your money doesn't go anywhere. You're using the insurance company's money and you're collateralizing your cash value. So you're borrowing the money from a large financial institution, just like a bank, an insurance company could be uh, the seller. Okay. You, right. you're, and it depends on what you're doing with the money that you borrow. If you could deduct it, if you borrowed it from the bank, then you can deduct it using your policy and the insurance company's money. And the only people that ever get confused about that, again, they don't understand how it works. Now, I'm not going to tell you what's deductible and what's not deductible. But theoretically, if you use that money for a business purpose, and by the way, when you invest in real estate, Nick, is that a business? Yes. It's not personal, right? Nope. Okay, it's a business. So um, uh, when you use it for a business pur purpose, for me and my CPAs, different CPAs, I've always been able to deduct that interest, no problem. The one, and if I had a CPA, by the way, that didn't understand that I wasn't borrowing, taking my own money out, I would educate them. If they still didn't get that, I'd find a new CPA. <laughs> now, we're not giving tax or legal <laughs> advice here, you know, but we've, we've met with plenty of CPAs over the years to help explain it. There's an IRS interpretation on this, about 170 pages long that uh, we could send to your CPA if they, they need some clarification. But it it's really just comes down to understanding uh, the structure where the source of the funds are coming from. Um, it's not coming. It's not your money uh, that, that uh, you're borrowing uh, at the end of the day. Absolutely. Okay. Next bullet point today, the fixed loan rates on policies are 8%. Not the, not the companies we're using. I do know of a company that is 8%, but I only know of one. So maybe that's what they were researching. And then they say, which we would agree with, there's a big difference between the 5% tax deductible rates. Okay. Yeah. Now he says not long ago. Well, no, those are still available today. We're using them every day. I'm using them. Nick's using them on our personally owned policies. He's, yeah. he's not go ahead, Nick. What? No, no. I was just agreeing with you. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Uh, some, um, some companies are used non-fluctuating, non-guaranteed variable loan rates, but that is even more dangerous since the policyholder cannot control with certainty the ultimate outcome <laughs> um nick what, 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 i mean so the the let's understand what's going on the variable rate you want to explain the variable rate 
Yeah, the the variable rate. Let's see. So you know, the one company that we use, they they index their variable rate to the corporate uh, Moody's corporate bond rate. Yeah, it can adjust one time a quarter. All right. I've had my my oldest policy is six or seven years old. It's never changed. It's still been at about that same rate. We've got policies with another company that's quote unquote variable. They're at four point four percent, some somewhere around there. Okay, so. It is, and one thing that I think about too is um, we've got the the uh, direct recognition versus uh, non-direct recognition. So when we have direct recognition, that means when we take a loan from it, our dividend is lower to reflect the amount of money that we have borrowed, okay? Well, when we have direct recognition, we get a fixed interest rate, okay? That's what we're getting. We have non-direct recognition, all right. So I can, which is what we're doing, which is what we're teaching our clients to do is to take that, take that money, put it in motion, right? By cash flow assets and, and get more money flowing back to us. Well, when we do non-direct recognition, our interest, our dividend rate is not lowered accordingly. So guess what? We have a variable interest rate. Well, with some companies right now, the, the variable and the fixed is the same rate. So why wouldn't I want to participate in all the dividends? And I always think about it too, like, hey, if, if interest rates went to say 10%, well, I may still stay in the variable interest rate. I may choose to, because guess what? That means the insurance company's putting our premium dollars to work and earning more interest. So I want to participate in more profitability of the company. Now, let's say it got really crazy and it went to 50% or something. It may, some crazy market force that I can't foresee. Well, guess what? I can choose to just stay at the fixed interest rate of 5%. It's really a win-win for me. But it's just understanding that this statement here in this thing is not um, a one-size-fits-all. It's, you know, there's still variable interest rates out there that that very much works for me. So remember um, what Nelson, how this kind of infinite banking concept was born you know, and Nelson's on his knees at three o'clock in the morning praying because he's in such a bad situation, owing more than on $500,000, 20% tax. And he says, I can borrow from my policies at 8%. Now this is back in the eighties, right? When, when interest rates are super high, obviously, because that's why he's paying 20 some percent. Sure. And he says, I can borrow at my, from my policies at eight. <laughs> Okay, so this you know, Nelson was celebrating that this guy somehow like figuring out somehow eight percent today. I, I mean, I don't know any company. I do know one company charging eight percent, but but to your point, he was paying twenty something. He paid eight, and that's what allowed him to get out of the predicament that he was in. So yeah. so when we think of these interest rates, by the way, right now. All the the 7702 rules definition, the MEC rules are changing, right? <clears throat> and that also means that every insurance company is is going to, um, or they can lower their guarantee, depends on where their guarantee is at now. And they can lower their guarantee. They can also lower their interest rate because if they lower the guarantee then they can lower the interest rate. And the companies that we've talked to and the actuaries that we've talked to with those companies, they are going to lower that interest rate. Yeah. So what does that mean? That means, yeah, things change, but, but the policy 
is the money pool and our behavior and how we're using it. And we might have policies that are charging 5%. We might have policies that are charging 4%. We might have policies that are charging 6%. Still going to work. Okay. So that is just not a, a good bullet part or an argument. Yeah. Now, the next one <clears throat> is a little outdated. Yeah. They say, unlike in the past, the IRS passed MEC rules on life insurance policies to prevent consumers from overfunding their policies with high cash values and low death benefits. If the MEC standards, that's not really the right way to say it, are not met, the policy becomes income tax taxable with for all withdrawals. Okay. Now, there's so many things wrong with that statement, but you know we're not withdrawing the money, Nick. We're borrowing the insurance company's money and using our money as cash, our cash value as collateral. Okay, so let's just get right. rid of that last comment. Sorry, that just doesn't make any sense. Um, the MEC line was created in 1986, took effect in 1988. Okay, I've been doing this almost 34 years, and I've always lived with the MEC. So. That didn't change. And yes, yes, from 1980, when Universal Life was, in, was, in, was invented by E.F. Hutton, and you have all this flexibility, you could write a check for 100 grand, Nick, have $100,000 of cash value, and a little bit more than $100,000 of death benefit, right? Amazing. Absolutely amazing, right? Amazing. And who <laughs> was selling most of this life insurance? Financial advisors. That's right. Stockbrokers and financial Wall advisors, Street, yeah. right? Is in and so they 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 got on the radar of the IRS and and they and the Congress and that that rule was changed. Okay, now they were grandf people that had it when the rule changed were grandfathered in though. That's right. That means they still have those policies. So these other like you know <laughs> these. I mean, uh, it's funny that he's going back. Hey, you know, back a hundred years ago when <laughs> the Federal Reserve was created, you know, like okay, got it, buddy, but. I mean, come on, we've been dealing with those rules and <laughs> those rules are changing this year, Nick. Yeah. For it's the betterment of the consumer, as far as the amount of money you can put into the insurance company. That's right. Right. Yeah. And we, the companies, we have three companies that we're working with and helping them on the design and giving our opinion. And we're on committees showing or helping these companies and making sure protecting our clients for their future purchases, because every single person that does infinite banking, once they get it and they get money flowing back to them, they're going to expand their systems. So that means you got to have more policy. You got to have more money pools, right? Every single one of them is going to benefit from the work that we're, that these insurance companies are doing because they like this business. Okay. Yeah. Anything to add to that? No, no, it would be that dead horse. Pretty good. Okay, the mortality, the next bullet point, the mortality age <laughs> tables, okay, the mortality tables, okay, um, and uh, have been revised upward to ages 100 and 120. Okay, sneaky now, insurance companies, man. Sneaky is... insurance companies. <laughs> they're doing it, Nick, they're doing it to try to take something away from the consumer. Is that why they did that? <laughs> no. But why did they, why did they change? It used to be like, life paid up at 90 or 95 and then it was and then it endowed meaning when it endows your cash value yeah. is the same as your death benefit right yeah at 100 so why would they switch it to 121 
Well, a couple of reasons I'll let you fill in some of them. One of them is, I mean, you could have a pretty significant taxable event if you were to, to attain that age and get that check. Right. Well, I mean, do people live past a hundred? Yeah, they do. I'm in Florida. There's a lot of people over a hundred here. <laughs> I got, I got two great grandmothers that lived over a hundred. Wow. You got good genes, Nick. Yeah. That's, uh, why preferred plus. <laughs> that's why you're preferred plus. That's right. Okay. Um, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole, but, uh, um, is, uh, uh, he says it's simply, this a... it's simply, this is the insurance company wants to protect you and make sure that when you die, the policy has not endowed it's, it's, it's still in force, right? It doesn't end before your death. It's yeah. for your whole life. That's why it's called whole life. Right. Yeah. And, and so they, at the 1984 mortality tables were to hundred because in 1984, they calculated that people weren't living past hundred, right? It, then some people started to. So the next mortality tables came out to 121. Yeah. But it's been that way for almost 20 years since 2001. Yeah, we just had new mortality tables and they kept at 121. Every 16 years, whether we like it or not, it seems like, okay, again, I've been only doing this 33 years, so I've only seen that change from 84, <laughs> 2001, 2017, okay? Now, what's 16 years on top of 17? Is that 33. not that far away? I'm, I'm sure I'll be doing this by then. Anyway, I just wanted to see if I was going to have one more mortality tip. Maybe two more. Who knows? I'm only halfway through this, uh, this before I graduate from this world. So... Um, <laughs> All right, so uh, uh, that just now was it better? Could you put more money in a policy when it endowed at one hundred? Or was absolutely, sure. absolutely. Sure. The the shorter the mortality tables, the more money we could put in. So is he is he right? It, it, it had a dramatic effect, and it still fits, still works. You know, I mean, dividends used to pay nine percent. Did that have a dramatic effect? On cash values, absolutely. But yeah. so what? We're using it as a bank. It's not just sitting there. And I can, Nick, can I make up the difference in dividend by going out and buying a cash flowing asset? Yeah. But can I blow even, that out of the water? It is more, the rate of return inside the insurance contract, the thing that I should be focusing on. No, what we should focus on is taking that volume of interest that's going away from us and redirecting it back to us. That trumps everything, frankly. There's a concept. I wonder who. No, I'm just All right. Nelson, thank Nelson you. pounded that, right? <laughs> Nelson, like, and Nelson would say, this is so simple. Don't complicate it. This guy is really comp. I say guy because most women are not this stupid to be able to uh, write these comments. So, uh, hey, uh, all right. I'm, we got, we got one more here. All right. I'll, I'll read it for you. Okay. So you can take a, you can take a breather for a second. Okay. okay. And then, uh, you know, cause I know in your career over 34 years, you, you've dealt with this a little bit. Yeah. So, Estate planning and taxation have changed, making life insurance banking concepts less effective and efficient. Yeah. Do we buy? Okay. So when you do estate planning, you use trusts and the, the primary trust that you would use is an irrevocable life insurance trust because that isn't part of your estate, right? So we're trying to keep dollars, assets out of your estate. So we want the death benefit to be out of your state so that we can pay estate taxes. And the, and, and the, the concept is 
all of the funding inside that insurance contract is going to be less than, dramatically less than, to use his word, um, than the tax that you would have to pay at the time of your death or yeah. at the time of your spouse's death, because currently you could pass 100% of your estate to your spouse tax-free, regardless of how big the estate is. It's the second death, which again, back to the women thing, is normally going to be your your spouse, your wife, right? Yeah. So um, uh, <laughs> this has changed. And I mean, it, it, forever, Nick, the first 20 years or so of my career, there was no changes to the state tax law. And then, no. all, I mean, there are no major changes, I should say. And now it just, it just matters who's in, in charge right. or which way they're trying to push it. Right now, you can get about $13 million passed to the next generation without paying a state tax. Okay. Um, yeah. And people sometimes say to me, well, if you own these policies individually and you're going to, um, and, and all of this is going to be in your estate. Yeah. Yeah. These millions and millions of dollars that you're going to have because of your uh, doing infinite banking and taking over the banking function in your life. And like Nelson said, bringing it to the you and me level, all of those millions of dollars that generated, you could pay a state tax on because sure. Here's the bottom line, Nick. I'm 56, planning on being here another 56 or so. I have, maybe I'll make it to 121, but uh, I have no idea what a state tax are going to be when would, I die. Would you rather pay 5,000 in taxes or 5 million in taxes? Nick, I think that's a great place to wrap it up because I'd rather pay <laughs> $50 million in tax because yeah. that means I got a lot of money. Yeah, so here's the thing. If you got more questions, you, you want to dive into this more, go to createtailwind.com, click on contact us. There's some resources on there too that are free. Go to our YouTube channel. Uh, it's Create Tailwind, all one word. Lots of videos on there. Uh, you know, if you uh, listen to this podcast, we'd ask that you rate it. There's, uh, you know, you can rate between one and five stars. Five stars is the only appropriate amount of stars for as as good looking as we are here on, on our YouTube channel and for the for the, uh, the, the content that we bring, but we'll tackle more of these things uh, in due time. Um, if, there's, if there's questions that you have that we're not addressing, by all means, hit the contact button on, uh, on our website and, and fire off that question. We'll be happy to address that here uh, on this forum um, if you don't want to have an individual meeting. So anything else, Jim? Well, I would say, yeah, if you hear some noise out there and you want us to address it, reach out to us because I love, you know, if, <laughs> our meeting, just to kind of wrap everything up, our meeting this morning ended the way most of those meetings end, is after we answered about half of the questions or maybe a little <laughs> bit more, they said, hey, hey, can we move on to the good stuff? Because obviously I got this information, it's false, and, and, and like you're explaining why this is false has me excited about moving forward and doing infinite banking. So can we get back to that? And, and, and obviously it wasn't our, we, we will answer for our clients, for anybody that wants to work with us, we answer every question. Now, that guy, unfortunately, is, I think, in the herd, Nick, and there's nothing good that happens in the herd. So until <laughs> next time, I'm your host, Jim Oliver. Thank you, Nick, for joining me today. And thank Pleasure. you, audience, for joining us. And uh, thank you for uh, being a participant in this podcast and we 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 love bringing you the content every week again break away or you're 
in trouble. <laughs> Take care. Want to become your own banker and build wealth on your own terms? We'd love to help. Go to createtailwind.com to learn more and schedule a complimentary consultation.